Hello, my name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today with me, I have Father Anthony Gramlich, Marian priest, and is director and rector of the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. And we'll be talking about an important spiritual topic and one that is often a problem for spiritual advancement, that of forgiveness. We'll be talking about God's forgiveness of us, how we are called to forgive others, especially ourselves. I think you'll find the show very enlightening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound, a series that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. With me today is a longtime associate pastor, wonderful priest at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. He's rector. He's been there for many years, currently in about a seven-year stint, and a few years before that. And he's going to share with us his thoughts on forgiveness, a very important topic. Uh, you know, when we look at the cross, we see the vertical beam, and that's God's relationship with us and how he forgives us. And then we have the horizontal beam. And another important aspect is how we forgive others. And the third part of this segment today, I'd like to Father to share with us his thoughts on the need for forgiving ourselves. Many of us find that more difficult than accepting God's forgiveness or forgiving others. Um, but Father, there are people, you know, like we talk about God's mercy, mercy, and they say, oh, God's so merciful. You know, I can pretty much do whatever I want. Uh, God loves me, and he loves us all, and we can do whatever we want. We're all going to heaven. Isn't that a little misguided theology? Yeah, it, it is a little misguided theology. I mean, with forgiveness, I mean, there, there, there's two parts of forgiveness. There's one that's God's mercy, which which is there for each and every single person. But then there's there's God's truth and justice, which is also given to each person at the same time. So you have this truth and mercy meeting with each other, justice and mercy meeting with each other, so we, we, we need both. It's, it's not, we can't overemphasize just mercy. I can do whatever I want. God's going to forgive me. But we also can't just overemphasize truth or justice and, and become scrupulous and say, oh, God can never forgive me for what I've done. So, so we need a little bit of both. The, the, the truth and the justice helps to examine our conscience. And we need that. We, we need a good examination of conscience to realize what we have done, how we have fallen short. You know, as we say in the um, uh, in the act of contrition at mass for what I have done and what I have failed to do in my thoughts and my words and my actions. Well, we, we wouldn't know that unless we had truth, unless we had justice uh, that, was, that was there enlightening our minds, enlightening our hearts and the Holy Spirit does that. At the same time, we need God's mercy and the act of contrition. We end with God's mercy. We invoke God's mercy, knowing that we are sinners, but that we need God's mercy at the same time. Doesn't that require us, though, to ask for forgiveness, ask for his mercy? You know, there's a humility component of all that. Even when we say the act of contrition, um, or we go to confession, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, 
doesn't that pride element hold us back uh, many people um, and we don't get down on our knees and realize that we have sin yeah the the, the worst sin and not accepting god's mercy is pride because pride just says i can do whatever i want uh god will forgive me or even god won't forgive me the the opposite extreme and so pride always always keeps us from looking at ourselves but also keeps us from looking at god's mercy and so the 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 virtue that we need is humility humility is is always the virtue in which we look at ourselves we say yeah i am a sinner i am weak i need god's mercy that's the that's the first step and then humility also says to us, you know, I'm going to accept God's mercy. I'm going to humble myself and say, go to a priest, go to confession, humble myself, no matter what I've done, how many times I've done it, that, that there's no limit to God's mercy. And so it's, it, it's again, it's that balance between uh, justice and mercy. But the virtue that we need is humility and, and humility helps us to overcome the pride and overcome the fear. You, you can't be prideful and accept God's mercy. There's no one that's ever prideful and can accept God's mercy. We always need humility is the foundation for receiving God's mercy. You know, I was thinking of the uh, story of the good shepherd and uh, scripture talks about the sheep hear his voice and they recognize him. And the pride almost keeps us from recognizing his voice, you know, and he's calling us. Um, well, let's look at the story of the prodigal son. Most people know it. Um, I was always fascinated, of course, as the son asked his dad for his inheritance, which basically says, dad, I wish you were dead. I need the money. I want to go. So he heads off and blows it. And uh, for a Jewish man to work with the pigs would be the lowest form of employment, I would think. And then he comes back. But what always fascinated me about that story was in Luke, it talks about when the son was on his way back, the father was at a distance and saw him. You know, it's like you almost see like a father who's heartbroken that his son is straight off path. And yet when he's coming back, I was out looking for him. And, uh, you know, I think of my wife and I with many sleepless nights during the teenage and 20s of our kids because you just worried about them. And uh, I was so fascinated that the father saw him from a distance. But God's always ready to forgive, isn't he? Yes. The, the, the fascinating part of the story is, is, is not even the son. I, I think most of us can in some way relate to the son relate to straying away from God, straying away from our father's house, uh, doing the wrong thing, you know, spending all of our money, um, living with prostitutes and, you know, it just uh, being in that pig's mud and being, uh, you know, in that stink of sin. Most of us can relate to that. It's, it's the father's, it's the father's reaction. That's what's hard for people to relate to, especially parents that the father he allows his son to sin. So that's the first action of the father is, is just the father doesn't do anything. When his son goes off with the inheritance, the father does not call him back. The father doesn't do anything. He allows his son to sin. And, and then after allowing his son to sin, it, it's like the father allowed his son to sin because 
no matter what the father would have said to his son, the son would have ignored the father. The son would have said, you don't know what you're talking about. But the son had to experience the fruits of sin. He had to experience it for himself to see that, okay, th this sin, it's, it's not good. It, it's covering me with mud. And then, and then the son, when he's going back to his father, and, and he's got this speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your, your hired servants. He got that. I'm sure that there was a fear within the son going back to his father, that the father would reject the son. And the amazing thing is that even as the son is, is coming from a distance, the father, as soon as he sees his son, the father makes the first step toward his son. And the father runs out to his son. And before the son even has a, has a chance to confess his sin, the father's embracing him with hugs and with tears and with just utter forgiveness. And that's, and that's the great thing about the father. The father had already forgiven his son even before his son came back. And I think that's with God. God already forgives us even before we have come back. His forgiveness is already there, but he waits for us to make that first step to come back. And then he makes up the rest of the distance, comes to us, embraces us, hugs us, throws a party for us, and, and celebrates. And then I'm sure with the son, you know, the, the, the son was covered with mud. And there's the father. He's embracing his son with mud. And so what does that mean? That means the father took the son's sin upon himself, what Jesus did on the cross where he takes our mud, our sins upon himself. And then, and then he washes his son, uh, he washes his son with his own tears. So you have to think that there's a washing, there's a cleansing that, that the, before the son went into the party, I'm sure he took a bath, a shower, that, that's baptism, that's confession. And then he put on new clothes. And that's the clothing of the Holy Spirit. He puts a new ring on his finger. That, that's his dignity and shoes on his feet. And then he celebrates. So it's a, it's a whole image of the sacraments of, um, of the kingdom of God, of God bringing the kingdom of God back into our life. It's a whole image of heaven, of us being forgiven, whole image of the, the, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus and, and what he, he brings. So it's, it's such a story that's so rich in symbolism and meaning. And if people were just to read that story and be reminded of how much God loves us, how much the, the, the Father is the Father of mercies and that he's ready to forgive us. If only we repent and we come to our senses and we ask for the Father's forgiveness, he's willing to give it to us even more than we're willing to receive it. You know, I'm reminded he told St. Faustina that his, his mercy is like an uh, ocean that has no bottom. It's unfathomable, the divine mercy, and we'll never be able to understand it. And it's, Father, I have to say you're the first one I've spoken to since starting these series, uh, that we both have a divine mercy image in the background. It's kind of exactly. Cool. But um, when you look at that image, I'm looking at yours and, and seeing Jesus's, uh, he's, he's actually one step is one leg's ahead of the other. He's, he's walking towards us just as in the prodigal son. And exactly. it's such a beautiful image of the story because he's, he wants us back. He's not going to reject us, but you got to have that humility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the way we, we come to Jesus underneath his feet. His, he's walking toward us in the image. So the image is actually coming 
toward us. Jesus is coming toward us with his mercy, with his blood and his water, with his blessings from his right arm. But for us to come to Jesus, we need trust. And that's why Jesus, I trust in you, is at the bottom of his feet, because it's only trust that's going to overcome our fear and our pride that we'll be able to take that one step toward Jesus. As soon as we take one step, he's taking the rest of the steps toward us, because as soon as we take that one step, that's a flicker of trust. That's all God needs to come to, toward us and forgive us. So we've got this multifaceted issues with forgiveness and accepting God's forgiveness. Some, some people find that hard, but then there's people, you know, even in my own family, I see uh, squabbles and things. And even with my kids, the sisters are fighting or something. And I'm saying, you guys are wasting all this good energy. We're only here such a short time on earth you know, forgive, move on, forgive and forget. And, you know, we say, oh, we forgive and forget, but actually we seldom forgive and we rarely forget. And um, it's such an important thing, isn't it, to try to forgive because it sets us free. It, it, exactly. It's, it's, you know, as we receive God's forgiveness that we need to we need to give and extend that forgiveness toward others and and sometimes we're so unwilling to uh to let go of memories to let go of hurts to let go of pains and we we keep thinking about what the person did to us and no one has done any worse thing uh, you know to each other as what we've done to God we, we all crucify God with our sins, we all crucified him on the cross. And yet it, it was as we were crucifying Jesus, as he was dying, he gave us a supreme example of forgiveness from the cross. His very first word from the cross was forgiveness. Was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Jesus was automatically forgiving as he was being crucified. And it's, and it's just uh, amazing. I'm always amazed at the resurrection when, you know, the Apostles are run away from Jesus. You know, one one betrayed him, one denied him. It was it was just a mess. Only one apostle was beneath the cross, and Jesus he, he comes through the doors of the cenacle. And I'm always amazed at what Jesus did not say. Not so much to what he said, but what he did not say. He did not say, "You guys, you totally messed up. Where were you in the agony of the garden? Why did you fall asleep? Why did you run away?" You know. Like, where were you during the scourging and He didn't say all that. He didn't, he did not reprimand them. He only said, peace be with you. And then he breathed the Holy Spirit on the apostles and he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Whose sins you forgive, you shall forgive. And whose sins you retain, you shall retain. That's amazing. So the, the same band of apostles that abandoned Jesus, the first thing is, why didn't Jesus say, I forgive you in the cynical? Because he had already forgiven them on the cross. He had already forgiven the apostles when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They were already forgiven from the cross. So Jesus did not have to bring up the memory about their abandonment. And his thing was, peace be with you, shalom. And then the same apostles who were afraid, who were sinful men, Jesus then gives them the power to forgive other sins. It's, it's amazing. So he, at that moment, he does not choose the women that were beneath the cross to be the ones to forgive sins. 
he gave the power to weak, sinful men to forgive the sins of others. And so sometimes our, our own weakness, our own forgiveness can, can be the inspiration of forgiving others that as, as much as I've been forgiven, and maybe the apostles thought that, man, Jesus has forgiven me. I abandoned him. Now he's telling me to forgive others who maybe have abandoned him or who have hurt him or have, who have hurt me. He's telling us to extend that forgiveness to one another. And, um, and, the, and, the, and that's where first, first we need to have that vertical beam of the cross, receive forgiveness from God. That's where praying the chapel of divine mercy is very powerful because we're asking for forgiveness, for atonement for our sins. But then the second part of the chapel is we're asking to atone for the sins of others, for the sins of the whole world. And that means those who have sinned directly against us. But we, we can only do that. Forgiveness is divine. We can only do that with the divine grace from God. It's not human. You, you can't do it human because our rationale is going to get in the way. We're going to rationalize it. And then we're going to get angry and we're going to form grudges and you know all that humanness will get in there. That's divine. It's a divine grace that we need from the Holy Spirit to be able to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. You know, Father, over the years I've had people come up to me. Now, these are divine mercy devotees. They're praying the chaplet. They're, you know, got an image in their home and they're attending the feast day and yet they come up to me and say, oh, please pray for me. I'm not speaking to my brother or sister. I'm so mad at him. And this happened in the family and this one stole the inheritance, et cetera, et cetera. Share with us your thoughts on the, our father and uh, the line, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Yeah. I, I always love the, the, our father prayer is just so rich in meaning. When Jesus taught the apostles to pray the Our Father, the only commentary that Jesus ever gave on the Our Father, on what are called the seven petitions of the Our Father, the only commentary was on forgiveness, was on that line of forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So he did not comment on any other part of the Our Father. It's amazing. The only thing that he gave a commentary on was about forgiveness. And he says, if you do not forgive the sins of others, neither will your heavenly father forgive your sins. See that? So if we hold on to sins, to people that have sinned against us, that have trespassed against us, then the father cannot forgive us either. See that? So, so the condition by which we forgive others will be the condition by which we are forgiven. The measure with which we measure toward others will be the measure with which God will measure it toward us, toward our sins. And so the, the, there's, there's no sins that are so great than our sins against God. Our sins against God are greater than any other sins that those ha have done against us. And, and that's why we, we pray the Our Father in the Mass. We pray it in the Rosary. We, you know, the Our Father is the standard prayer that we pray all the time. But we're praying, forgive us our trespasses. God, forgive us. as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And notice that in the prayer, Jesus says, who have trespassed against us. Notice he doesn't say, if they trespass against you. He knows human nature. He says, who trespass against us? He's saying, 
people will trespass against you. People will sin against you. It will happen because of original sin, because of concupiscence that we carry original sin within us. So we're going to sin against one another. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to trespass against one another, especially in families. But that's where he says, pray this prayer. We need to keep forgiving each other. I, I like what Jesus says to Peter, where Peter says, Lord, if my brother has sinned against me seven times, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, you know? And Jesus said, not just seven times, he says 70 times seven. As much as your, as your brother or your sister asks for forgiveness, forgive them. And, and forgive them a hundredfold. Forgive them more than just seven times. Forgive them 70 times seven. It says in the, in the Old Testament, the just man sins seven times a day. And we say, well, if the just man is, seven, is sinning seven times a day, what about the unjust man? <laughs> you ever think about it? The, if, the, if the righteous man is sinning, sinning seven times a day, that is sinning against God and against each other, what about an unjust person? How many times are they sinning? And yet Jesus says, whether it's a just man or an unjust man that's sinning, you have to keep forgiving. You just have to keep forgiving because forgiveness brings so many fruits, brings so much reconciliation. And it's, 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 the, greatest, it's the greatest thing that we could do in our relationships and our marriage relationship marriage, you, you have to have forgiveness. Families you have to have forgiveness. Religious communities, what I live in, you have to have forgiveness. You have to have forgiveness in your life or, or else it, it doesn't, even if you have divine mercy images, if you don't have forgiveness, you're going to have that anger. It's going to eat you up. It's, 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 it's going to be a burden. It's going to be a rock that's, that's going to be there unless you release that. And, and again, we need divine grace to, to be able to release that forgiveness, to, to not hold it against someone. 25 years ago, my father-in-law told me, or more, maybe mean more years, but he, he told me the story of um, my wife's aunt. They were, she and her husband were devout Catholics, but he said, you know, it's a shame Aunt Esther's going to her grave hating her mother. Mm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, he said the story when they were young and in fallen in love, uh, the mother must have said something like, uh, you know, why don't you get rid of Joe? He's just a baker. Why don't you marry somebody like your sister who's going to marry an attorney? He's going to make a lot of money. Well, that infuriated Esther so that they took off, eloped, and never spoke to mom again, even mm. though they lived in the same town. When the mother died, the sister uh, absconded her share of the inheritance. So those two never spoke again. And meanwhile, uh, Aunt Esther and Joe were going to Mass every day and receiving Holy Communion, and I, they were happy, beautiful people, but I always wondered, like, it just brought to mind a scripture verse, you know, how can you love the God you cannot see when you cannot love the person you can? And exactly. uh, But forgiveness is, is so hard. Um, I, I, I always give people this exercise, like, if they're having a really difficult time forgiving another person, um, especially if someone has, has done something uh, grievously sinful against someone, thinking of like abuse, you know, if they were abused when, when they were younger and, and they were abused by 
um, someone who was close to them, a relative or even a parent, it's like, how do you, how do you forgive? How do you forgive someone that's done something? Well, it, the, the, the one thing is the, the anger that comes in, there is a justified anger. The anger is always at the sin. It's not at the sinner, but we can have anger at the sin. The, 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 the sin is wrong because the sin hurts God. It hurts the person. And it hurts the person that's, that's doing the sinning. So we, we can be angry at the sin, but we can't be angry at the sinner. And so I always give people this exercise that I tell them, hold a crucifix, get on your knees, hold a crucifix. And think about the, 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 the action, the sinful action that's been done against you or was done against you many times. Think about that. Let the anger come up and let that justified anger come up. And as you let that emotion come out, we have to let our emotions come out because our emotions are saying a lot, the anger, the pain, the hurt loud at the tears, let it come out. And then at the end, when you let your emotions come out and repeat the words of Jesus toward that person, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I always say, make it very personal. Father, forgive him. He did not know what he was doing. Father, forgive her. She did not know what she was doing. And I always tell people, and they, and they say, well, Father, how many times do I have to say that prayer? And I said, say it until it until it reaches your heart, until you know that you have forgiveness. So you may have to pray that prayer hundreds of times on your knees. You know, you may have to, it may not just be one time, you may have to pray it day after day, week after week. It may take months, it may take years. But if you pray the prayer of Jesus, that God will give you, God will eventually give you that, that forgiveness. I always say forgiveness is uh, toward others is like an onion peel. So sometimes, we, we do forgive, and maybe it hasn't, we haven't forgiven totally from the heart, but if we just forgive or ask God, God, give me the grace of forgiveness, we're peeling off an onion layer, okay? And then when we, when we come in again, we're like, oh, I still have that anger. I still have that, but I, I forgive the person, but I still have some of the anger. But then we, we, we pray again for that grace, and then there's another onion layer that goes off, another sheet, and then another one, and another one until it hits the court, until it hits the court. I always tell people, be, be patient with forgiveness, be patient with yourself. It may not happen all at once. It may not happen overnight, especially if, if the person has done something very, very offensive and you've been a victim of violence, of sexual abuse, something that's really, really deeply wounded that has scarred you. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to forgive and forget. No, it's not, it's not that. You, that's where the forgiveness has to go deeper, deeper, and deeper. It's 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 like an onion peel that we that we keep. You know, just just one layer after another after another. But that's where we where we need God's grace to be able to forgive. We hate the sin. We hate what was done to us. But we but when we forgive. We begin having compassion, sorrow for the person. Um, we we begin praying for them, and um, and because we want them to go to heaven, we, we we don't want them to you know die in the, in their sins. We want them to go to heaven, but but that takes time to to get to that point where we can actually love the other person, have compassion and mercy upon them. It takes time. It takes time. 
you know, forgiveness doesn't erase the memory either. And it, um, it's so difficult, but it, what you're working for, it seems to me is a closure where you can get on with your life and uh, realize that it was a terrible thing, but I, I have forgiven the person. You know, Father, in that same vein, um, abusive relationships, um, it seems like I've, I've come across women who may have been in an abusive relationship and they felt like they needed to keep going back into the relationship because that was the Christian thing to do. I have to forgive them. But that's not what we're talking about, are we? I mean, aren't we saying you forgive them over time, it takes time, but you need to get out of the abusive relationship. Um, I think it, people confuse that forgiveness. It's a separate problem, I think. Yeah, the, the, there is a, a time where we need to protect ourselves. We need to protect ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally. And if we're in an abusive relationship, sometimes the best thing to do is to separate from that, that person, because that person is wounding us, that person is scarring us. And it's not healthy to be in, in that relationship with that other person. Yeah, so, so there is times in which we, when, when we're being abused in that relationship, we have, to, we have to physically separate ourselves from the person or even, or even defend ourselves. You know, the, the, there is a right to defense and it's in the catechism that we have a right to defend ourselves from an aggressor you know so um so we we, we can defend ourselves we can right, right. aggression yeah the the last part of all this topic is the person forgiving themselves and uh, even in my own life i've looked back and found it hard to forgive myself it's even you know, I think back in medical school, I was the type of kid that uh, if I got a 99 on a test, I, I wasn't good enough. I should have gotten a hundred, you mm -hmm. know, and um, the bar is always a little higher than how high we jump. And we, we just don't love ourselves enough and forgive ourselves. And I've come across that so often as I've traveled with women who have had abortions. And I know that's part of your ministry over the years. Can you share some thoughts on that topic? Yeah, for, forgiveness of self is, is probably one of the most difficult things for people to do after they've, they've gone to confession, they've received, you know, the mercy of God, forgiveness of God. Um, they're, they're in a journey to forgive others who have hurt them. But then that, that last part of how do, I, how do I forgive myself for, for what I've done, um, for the sin uh, I committed? And, and I always say, you know, like forgiveness of self. Sometimes we, we, we go back to the sin and we, we, we keep rehashing the sin over and over again. I always say this to people when, when you're taking out the trash, and you got the smelly garbage, you got the big load of garbage, and then you, you know, you, you decide, all right, I'm going to take out the trash. And so you, you um, tie it up, you go outside, and you throw that trash in the dumpster. And so there, there, there's, there's a big relief because you're not carrying this load on you that smells, that's there. You finally release it. And then you go back into the house, you put a new trash bag in, and then 
most people, when they throw out the trash, they don't remember the trash that they just thrown out. They don't go back to it. They don't say, oh, you know what? I, I, why did I throw out that trash? And, <laughs> you know, how smelly. But no, we, we don't go back to the trash. Once, once it's gone, it's gone. It's out of our lives. And, the, and that's where, you know, once we've, we've been forgiven of our sins, that, that God is clothing us anew. He's recreating us. He's recreating us with his grace. He's recreating us with the spirit. So with the, with the same mercy that God gives us, we can apply that mercy to ourselves. And sometimes we're more harsh on ourselves than God is on us. If, if, we, were, if, if we were to judge ourselves, well, it, it, let's say this. If God were to judge us as we judge ourselves, none of us would be forgiven because we're too harsh on ourselves. We, we, we think we, we hold the bar up to such a high standard. We have to realize God is, is forgiving. He, he wants to forgive us. That's why he died on the cross. That, that, that's why he was wounded for our sins. You know, the, it, Jesus in the divine mercy image, which we can see behind me and behind you, that the, the wounds that he was wounded with, where he was victimized with his trauma. He shows us the wounds of his trauma. He shows us his hands. He shows us his feet. So he's, he's not willing to hide his own trauma, his own victimhood. He's not willing to wallow in it. He's, he's willing to show us it because those, those very same wounds that were traumatic have now become the wounds of healing for others. And that's what we have to think is something like um, post-abortion, healing, the, those wounds of abortion that someone can be healed of, then those same wounds become scars to help heal other people. So, and, and God in an amazing way can, can use the very wounds, the very sins that we have sinned against him, but he can use those very sins and wounds to help heal other people. They've been through the, the, the same thing in, in their life. Now he's thinking, you know, how many, how many forgiven sinners over the course of the centuries became great saints because they, they've been there, like St. Augustine. He, he was there, he lived a life of sin. St. Mary Magdalene, who lived life, lives of sin. But they were probably able to touch so many people because they had been there. You think of uh, Bill Wilson with Alcoholics Anonymous, one alcoholic helping another alcoholic. And, and that's the way that... God's mercy uh, works sometimes that, that our very sins are, are become wounds that can help to heal other people. And so that, and that's a good thing to look at in forgiving ourselves that, that and the forgiveness of yourself that these very wounds, these very sins can become a healing ministry for others. They, they, we don't have to keep crucifying ourselves. Right. Right. We'll have to, that Jesus did not remain on the cross forever. Yet some of us want to remain on the cross forever. We want to remain with the nails on our hands and our feet and a crown of thorns on our head. It's like we, we want to remain there on the cross with our, with our heart just, you know, our heart opened and, um, and being pierced. And Jesus showed, no, there is a time of taking down from the cross. Right. There's a time to remove the nails and the thorns and the spear. There is a time of healing and of resurrection and of light and life. 
And, and what God wants us to live in is he doesn't want, to, want us to live in the crucifixion. That's only for a time. He wants us to live in the resurrection. And once Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't go back to the cross. He's now risen. See that? That's, that's the, the glory that he wants us to live in. He, to go to the resurrection, we have to go through the crucifixion. That's the toughest thing of life. We have to go through the pain, the hurt, the sin. But he wants us to live the new life of the resurrection. You know, Father, uh, I was thinking of the two thieves at the cross, one on the right and one on the left. And the uh, we have two thieves in our own lives, the thief of the past and the thief of the future. Sometimes we spend so much time wallowing in the past and uh, that steals the day. Some of us worry so much about what could happen, should happen, might happen, that we don't stay in a day. And going back to Bill Wilson in the AA, of course, the motto was one day at a time. Just stay in the day and thank God for the beauty of the day. And, uh, you know, and uh, God wants us to live, like you said, joy-filled lives and use our experiences to be the light of the world to others. Exactly. Uh, Father, any other closing thoughts? That, that, that's what we can. Go ahead. That, that, that's what we can never judge another person, because ba based on their past, when you say, when you say, "Oh, I know him, I know her, I, I know their past," but but we don't know how God's grace can work in their life. We don't know their future. We don't know that God can make this great sinner a great saint. You know, God's mercy does tremendous things in a, in a, in a person's life. And so we, we can never judge. We, we can never say, oh, the, the, there's no hope of salvation for this person. No, it's not, it's not true that God can come into anyone's life. That's where prayer comes in. That's where sacrifice and suffering comes in for another person because then God's grace can work in their life and, and they can become just great saints, great people, you know, receiving God's forgiveness and mercy uh, forgiving others and and also forgiving themselves and, and being that light that, that shines in the world you know so so we so it, it we, we can't judge another person we have to keep forgiving you know we we only have as you said we only have a short time here on earth and um, it's not worth it's not worth it to hold on to grudges to, to hold on to lack of forgiveness to let our pride in the way so that so that we hold on to not receiving God's forgiveness, not forgiving others, not forgiving ourselves. Oh, we say, you know, heaven is a little door. It's not a it's not a high door, it's a little door. It's a small door because only the humble would enter into heaven. You have to duck down low to enter into heaven. And it's only the humble ones who are the ones that will enter into heaven, not the prideful ones. That's where pride keeps us from mercy, keeps us from forgiveness, from forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. But humility, it, humility is the path that shows us to receive for God's, God's forgiveness, to forgive others, and to ultimately forgive ourselves. And, and that's what we need in life. You know, there was a priest that, uh, I remember this when I was doing a healing mass. This is a priest that, he, he said, I've done hundreds of healing masses all over the country and prayed over people. And he said, 
90% of all healing is forgiveness. Amazing. 90% of all healing, we all want to be healed, but 90% of it is forgiveness. Wow. 90% of it is forgiveness. You know, in that, in that vein, uh, again, the quote that St. Faustina wrote in her diary, you know, we all want to be Christ-like, but she wrote, we resemble God most when we forgive our neighbor. So, exactly. Father, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Mercy Unwound. And uh, all the people watching or listening to the podcast uh, at all the usual podcast sites, join in again for future shows. Uh, I'd love to speak at your church or conference on the message of divine mercy and God's love. But uh, we hope to see you next time. And uh, Father, keep up the great work and God bless. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.